For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the cross requires cling to the one Amen. Open your Bibles up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1 is where we'll be at today. As Apostle Paul is speaking here, and he's speaking of his suffering he went through for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about what suffering does in your life and how it affects your relationship and your relationships, your relationship to God first and foremost, and your relationship to other people, and what God can do with that suffering in your life. We don't like that. We don't want to hear that. We don't. None of us want to suffer, but the truth is God can use that in your life to bring spiritual gain in your life and in your family's life and your ministry's life. Amen. So look with me now in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1. Paul says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Verse 2, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for man to utter. Now, just reading this at face value, you would almost say Paul's talking about somebody else. But Paul is talking about himself in these verses. When he says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years, why he chose to pin it that way? Maybe it was so that pride would not build up in his life because God had shown him many great revelations and uh, many uh, prophecies and given him much wisdom. Paul penned a lot of the New Testament, and that is an amazing thing when you look at Paul's life, how he murdered Christians uh, before he got saved, before he got born again. So maybe he chose to write it that way and saying, I knew a man. Yeah, he did know a man. He knows himself. So he's not lying there. Uh, but maybe he's deflecting the pride from himself and not wanting to take the glory for it because it was God that did it. It was God that showed it to him. It was God that brought him up to the third heaven that he, that he could hear those unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter not allowable in other words so hold on let's not even speculate what they were what kind of language it was it was definitely not tongues 
Because if it was, God would not have allowed them to speak in tongues in the book of Acts. Because Paul says here, it's not lawful, it's not allowable for somebody to utter. So we know just by that and comparing it to what happened in Acts, that that is not referring to tongues, which was given for a time, for a season, to a people. Uh, Paul said after that, that it's better to, to say, in other words, two words that you can understand than 10,000 words that you can't understand, lest the people come into the church and think we're crazy. That's, that's what he said. And so Paul goes on here and he's talking about paradise. Now there's three places in the New Testament where paradise is mentioned. One of them is the famous verse where Jesus is dying on the cross and there was one thief on one side of him and another thief on the other. And the one thief mocked him, even though he was dying right there with him. And the other thief realized that this is God in the flesh. This is Jesus. And he said, remember me. He asked Jesus, remember me. He humbled himself and turned his own self over to Jesus. And for that, Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, God wasn't, Jesus wasn't talking about heaven right then. He, he said paradise. Because if you remember, when Jesus came back after he died on the cross, he rose again. He told the woman, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended unto my father. Now, we, got, we know that God dwells in heaven. And so Jesus was talking about when he told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. He was talking about where the Old Testament saints would go. They, they could not go to heaven to be in the presence of God yet because the penalties of sin had not been paid for, had not been covered in the blood. And so there was two places people could go in the Old Testament. There was a place called paradise, and there was hell. There was only two places. And I believe that Jesus ascended into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The Bible says he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And when he arose, he had the keys and the power over it. So he went down to paradise. And the thief was with him. After that, he rose again. He told the, even told the lady, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father, not yet presented myself as a sacrifice. In other words, to pay for penalty of sin, the penalties of sin that those have believed on me can be saved, born again, and spend the rest of eternity in heaven in the presence of God. And so from there, Jesus went to God and presented himself as the one true, perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the sacrifice, hey, amen, the one that can forgive sins, not just cover sins, but forgive sins. When God looks down and you're born again, he doesn't see you, he doesn't see that reviled sinner. He looks through the lens of Jesus. See, Jesus is our intercessor. And so when you're saved, you're born again, the Bible says you're covered in the blood. When God looks down at you, he doesn't see you. He sees his perfect son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when it talks about paradise there, and I'm sure paradise was awesome, but I guarantee you it's nothing like what heaven is and to be in the presence of a thrice holy God. One thing that happened, see, when Jesus died on that cross, uh, back in the Old Testament, the priest would have to go into the temple and go behind the veil that only the high priest could go behind to make a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. Uh, for people's sins. Now, it did not forgive like Jesus did. It was a temporary sacrifice where Jesus is a permanent. It is a permanent uh, sacrifice that 
it is he has done all the work necessary to forgive peoples of their sins so that they can be born again so that you can be in the presence of God forever. That's why he said when he died on the cross, it is finished. Listen to me. You do not need a priest to go to God, but you do need Jesus. See, God did away with that needing a priest to make a sacrifice so you can get to God. In the Old Testament, if you read Luke chapter 23 and verse number 45, it tells you that when Jesus, it says, and the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the mist. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He had paid, he had paid for the penalty of sin. A priest was no longer needed to access God. Jesus had made the way. Now, there were many that didn't want to give up that power. And still today, they tried to hold on to that power. But you listen to me. You don't need a, a priest to get to God. You need Jesus. And everybody has access to Jesus. If you'll but humble yourself and call out to him and ask for forgiveness of your sins, God made the way God did away with that Old Testament where you had to go behind the veil where you needed a priest to make a sacrifice. That's why the veil was rent in two. All have access to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And God made that abundantly clear when that veil was rent. And that veil was not just like a thin piece of curtain or paper. No, many say it was like anywhere from eight to inches to a foot thick. You couldn't even see through it. Sunlight couldn't even get through it. So it didn't just happen. God did that. He ripped that thing in half and said, this is no longer needed. The Old Testament is done away with. It is now the New Testament. And the New Testament is where you can put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I thank God for that. That we don't need a person. We don't need another man. But what we do need is Jesus, our intercessor. And so when Jesus died, he went to paradise. It talks about that three in three places in the New Testament. It talks about paradise. Now, I believe once Jesus died on the cross and, and he was forgiven, forgiven uh, of people's sins, he forgave those people of their sins, that those people that had put their faith in him were pulled out of paradise and went into heaven. Amen. Now, when there's no reason for paradise today, I believe that's done away with biblically because Jesus has fulfilled everything that you need in order to be in the presence of a thrice holy God when you're covered in the blood. So why would you need a, a, a like a holding area? No, that was only until Jesus made the way until he died on the cross. And that's why Paul talks about Jesus led captivity captive in Ephesians chapter four and verse number eight. And that act by Jesus moved paradise to heaven. And that's what Paul's talking about here into heaven. He was caught up into heaven, heard unspeakable words where it's not lawful for him to utter. I can only imagine the angelic language or whatever it is. We, it's hard to even speculate what Paul heard because he's certainly not telling us. He said, it's not even lawful for me to talk about. 
with all the amazing, glorious things the Bible talks about in heaven, how there's streets of gold and walls of jasper and sea of crystal, and there's gold that is actually crystal clear and mansions and all these great and wonderful things, and uh, being in the presence of a thrice holy God where the river of God flows from the throne of God. I believe it's just we can't even fathom. The Bible tells us that too, that you can't even imagine what great, mighty, and wonderful things that God has prepared for us that love Him. I look forward to that day. Amen. Now, we should be doing everything we can to take those that we love with us. We should uh, put away pride in our life. Um, why? Because that pride will destroy your marriage, it will destroy your family, it will destroy your testimony, it will destroy your ministry, it will destroy everything about you. And that's what happened in Genesis. Uh, pride, the devil came in under the radar, and it can happen in anybody's life. Do all that you can to keep pride out of your life. It's a daily struggle. I admit to you, I struggle with it, and I have to get myself right before God. Amen. But I know what pride will do. It will destroy everything about me, my family, my ministry, and it'll do the same in your life. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to be filled with pride. John chapter 10, verse 10, he tells you the devil's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen. Any which way that he can, he's going to do it. So as Paul talks about here, he's caught up in the paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. They're just inexpressible Verse number five, of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. And that right there, listen to me, I'm going to read that verse again. I believe that is why Paul referred to this person, which is himself, that he knew a man about 14 years ago that was called up to the third heaven where God is. Now listen to verse number five again. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory but in mine affirmities. He said, of that, I'm not, there's no, not going to glory about that, that I've been caught up, that I've been given these great revelations, I've been caught up to the third heaven, that I've heard these, uns, these unspeakable words that are unlawful for me to even speak. He says, I'm not going to glory in any of that, but what I am going to glory in is my infirmities. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that goes against your very nature. That goes against my very nature. You cannot do that naturally. You can only do that supernaturally as the fruits of, of the spirit no way are you going to put down the things that your pride your flesh would want to lift up but then you're going to exalt your infirmities in other words you're going to exalt the the lift up the hurts and the pains and the sufferings in your life and give glory for those things that's what paul was talking about here he says in verse six for though i would desire to glory i shall not be a fool for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. I don't, I don't want anybody to think any more of me than, than what I am. Just a sorry, no good sinner. Just a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody saved, uh, born again. That's what Paul's saying here. I don't want anybody to exalt me. Don't lift me up. I'm just a servant of God. If, if I'm going to exalt myself, it's going to be in the infirmities and the hurts and the pains and the sufferings that I have in my life. Verse number seven, and lest I should be exalted. This is why he says that. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. 
Paul says, I've been given a thorn in the flesh. And I believe, I believe there's many, I've heard many things saying it was his blindness or he had, you know, he suffered with his eyesight or, or it was this, that or the other. But I, I, I tell you, there is a reason that he didn't write exactly what it is. It's so that it would, it would, uh, ring true to all of us that have some type of a thorn in the flesh so that we could know we could see that what we should do is copy is mimic is do what paul is doing here and matter of fact he goes on to say that that he besought it three times and we'll read that here in, in just a minute but that thorn in the flesh kept him where he need to be with god See, pride, the Bible says, God resisteth the proud. In other words, it's like putting his hand out and you can't get close to him. He resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace. Grace, he's got open arms. Come to me, to the humble. Uh, if you want to be close to God, if you want God to greatly use you, you have got to humble yourself. Can God humble you? Yes, he can. It, and it, it will be bad. It will, God, if you don't, want, you don't want God to humble you, it's much better if you humble yourself. And if you want God to truly use you, you've got to truly humble yourself and realize that pride will stop him from being able to use you to your full potential to what God has for you, whatever that may be. And he says that in verse number seven. In verse eight, he tells you, for this thing, for that infirmity, for that thorn in the flesh, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. So it's not like Paul wanted it. He didn't just want it. He asked God three times, please take this away. Please remove this from me. And he probably felt like I did, like I do sometimes. You feel like I could do so much for the Lord if God would just remove this from my life. If God would just heal me, if God would just take this away, if God would just get this out of my life, I could do so much more for you, Lord. I'd have so much more strength, so much more energy, so much more everything. But like Paul says, I asked three times, thrice, three times, I've asked God. This is what he said in verse number nine. And he said unto me, talking about God, God spoke to me for he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Jesus, this was God's answer to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee the fruits of the spirit is sufficient my grace is sufficient for thee and i'm here to tell you if god hasn't taken that thing out of your life that you want out of your life so bad he's telling you the same thing he told paul my grace is sufficient for me for in when when i am weak then he is strong Listen to the last part of that verse again. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is causing the power of Christ to rest upon him? The fact that he is humbling himself under the circumstances. God's not going to remove this. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. In my weakness, God's strength can show in and through my life. Boy, we don't like that as human beings. We don't, we don't like that. We want that out of our life. We want it removed. But Paul realizes it's hurtful and it's painful as this truly is. And I, I just really want God to remove it. Paul realizes 
that it's because of this. It's because of this hurt. It's because of this thorn that is digging in my side and it's hurting and it's causing me all kinds of problems. It's because of this that the power of God is resting upon my life. It's because of this God has called me to preach his word. It's because of this that God opens doors. It's because of this God makes a way. It's because of this God has allowed me to start churches. Because of this, many will be saved. Because of this thorn in the flesh that hurts so bad. But when I am weak, then is he strong in a way that we just can't understand. When I am weak, when my flesh is weak, then God's strength can shine through me. And I've often thought of it like this. If you think of a, a beautiful vase that has a lid, it looks good. Now you could put a light bulb inside of it and put the lid back on it. You won't see nothing and it'll be completely dark. But when you start to, if you took a hammer and you put some cracks in it and maybe cut a hole in it, you'd start to see the light that is shining through that is within that. The power that is within. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that's the same thing that God does in our lives. We have the power of God resting upon us, inside of us. Jesus, a piece of God himself, a piece of the Holy Spirit is within you. And the more that we're cracked, the more that we're hurt, the more that the thorn in the flesh digs in, the more that the power of God and the light of God can shine through those cracks and those hurts and those pains and those sufferings and be used mightily in other people's lives. So what hurts us may be good for others because spiritually, spiritually, it will draw you close to God. And if you want to be a servant of God, a successful service for Christ depends on a weak servant. Boy, we don't want to hear that, do we? But that's the truth. That's what Paul's saying here. When I am weak, then he is strong. A successful servant of Christ realizes they are weak. They're a weak servant. The weaker that you are, the more the power of Christ is rest upon you. The more that God can call you to preach, the more that God can call you to witness, the more that God can allow you to deal with those difficult situations. Amen? So the, the more that you realize how weak you really are, the more that you will realize how strong God really is and how God can truly use that in your life. And that is what Paul is saying here. This hurt, this hurt, this pain, this suffering, whatever it is, the child that's gone wayward, uh, the, the, the spouse that's done things that, that you just are so hurt by, your family. Maybe it's a physical or a medical illness that just hurts and you want it gone so bad. But God said, my grace is sufficient for thee in that, in that weakness, in that hurt, in that pain. God's power can shine and rest upon you. Listen to what he says in verse number 10. Therefore, I take pleasure. Man, that doesn't that goes against what we'd want, isn't it? Paul says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. When I am weak, he says, I take pleasure in those things. Why does he take pleasure in those things and those hurt and those pains? Well, if you go back to verse number nine, it answered, answers that. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. This is why. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you want the power of God upon your life? Do you want the power of God on your family? Do you want the power of God on your ministry? Do you want the power of God on your marriage? You listen to me. We've got to learn. 
We've got to learn to see those things as good things in our life, those hurts and those pains and those infirmities that we don't want. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon you and your life and your family and your ministry. And God can take that. God can take a weak servant and use them to do great and mighty and powerful, strong things in this world because it's a spiritual battle ladies and gentlemen it's not physical it is spiritual the bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places remember put god first amen we pray you have been blessed by today's message if you have been saved or are in need of a prayer please contact us at 352-247-9200 that's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministry Radio Broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $25 or more, we will send you a copy of Ray Comfort's book, Nothing Created Everything. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook or visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a woman in need of help with your with your pregnancy, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There's locations in Inverness and Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated. For all your land clearing and hauling needs, located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. And Bruce Kaufman Construction, providing all your home building needs, 352-400-0230. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida, 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200.